0: Welcome to your sixth sesh of Beer Supervision, the podcast where we talk about the joys of working in mental health over a cold brew. My name is Aaron. I'm here once again with Jesse. Jesse
1: Richardson. Hello. 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 Hello, Aaron. Yes. Very yes, excited to yes, be we, here with you. We are. We're here. We're here. Where are we? We're at my house. Whoa. We've been here before. We're <laughs> excited. Yeah, this is first, first time recording oh, here. Environment. Um, we've got James watching over us. Uh, just, just <laughs> up there. And uh,
0: well, what do you mean by James watching? That makes no sense to anyone who isn't right here, right now. What does that
1: mean? It doesn't need to make sense, <laughs> sense to people. Uh, I've, I have a portrait of an old colleague of mine. What? Um, what? And it's the only piece of art that features in my house at the moment. It's
0: just. A- face staring at us ominously. It's like a very slight grin. Yeah. It's a little unsettling.
1: Um, but it's not the only face staring at us at the moment, is it, Jesse? <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, because we have a guest with us today, Aaron. Amazing. Yes. Um, and this is a guest that our listeners should be fairly familiar with, and I'm sure are going to be very excited to hear again. Um, I, I've had a lot of good feedback. The first time this, this guest came on, so by Aaron. popular demand. By popular bad. demand, <laughs> um, I, I heard that this man has quite an attractive voice, um, and so if that doesn't give it away, I don't know what possibly could. Um, <laughs> Welcome back, Josh West. There Hello, we boys,
2: boys, boys. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for having me again. Uh, what a treat!
1: Yes, yes, it is. We are we are so happy to have you back on the podcast again, uh, Josh. And I think um, you know, yeah. F- first guest of season two. I think you were our first guest of season one.
2: Time was that? Oh yeah, circle. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, think, I think
1: we're we're making a bit of a we're making a bit of a, a trend a trend here. So mm-hmm. um, every season, <laughs> we'll just repeat the just same guest <laughs> over yep. and over yeah. again. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a
0: good it's a good way to do it. Yeah. So
1: um, coming up after this one, after this guest, who would it be then? I who was like... us? I can't remember. Was our it second. Liz? It could have been Liz. Could have yeah. been Liz. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah. a <laughs> <laughs> classic um that was a very badly recorded podcast i apologize for all the people who tried to listen to um the first few episodes of our podcast with like a single microphone in the room and us mm. three trying to talk into it it's yeah. not good yeah. <laughs> we've, we've upgraded yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah um yeah cool this week i'm um, very exciting we're talking about mental health medication yes. drugs very exciting yes um and yeah we've got a Uh, An exciting expert in for (laughs) To talk
1: to him Mm. About um, all of that Which should be cool Before we do that Aaron Do you know what goes well with drugs?
0: What goes well with drugs Jesse? Beer (laughs) I don't think that's the official And that is just (laughs) a (laughs) fact Good All right, it's been verified Good (laughs) <laughs> I was about to be- make a disclaimer, but no, it's been verified, yes. so don't worry about it Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: what have What have you got for us today, Aaron?
0: I have got something very exciting, the Monsuta Okinawa Supreme Premium Beer What is a premium beer? We're about to find out I can say yeah. <laughs> That's um. all the information um, that's on the can, the rest is like poetry on the back It has a yeah. giant sized taste, <laughs> which is <Wow>. good <laughs> um it's but it is made in japan so it's not just like racist branding as we've encountered before it's actually a japanese beer. yeah okay <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. But, um, it's
2: not <laughs> cultural appropriation it's genuine and uh, the can is gold for mm. the out there it's <laughs> a nice yeah. touch yeah it is uh, very shall nice. We... it's got a
0: big squid on it attacking a boat yes that happens in japan a lot i assume
2: yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> Why um would they painted so much if it didn't happen all yeah. the time you mm. are right yeah that yeah. no, totally makes sense um, Last time, mm. Josh,
1: you were on. You, you you used a phrase that you like to, to coin for um, when you when you open a beer. What can you remind me what that what that was? Yeah, it's
2: not my phrase. I stole it from another podcast. Oh, okay, <laughs> <laughs> you're soon gonna learn that. Ninety percent of what I say is basically repurposed pop culture references. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's from a Bim Bam, and whenever <laughs> they crack open a beer, they just go, "Yeah, dude, <laughs> yes." <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Grip it and rip it, boys! Grip <laughs> it and rip it and rip it. Rip it, and rip it. There we go. <laughs> oh Let's kick it up a notch. <sighs>
0: mm. 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 That's actually kind of what I expected it to taste like. Like a beer? Yeah. Mm. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll give my review to later, but I was like, mm, that tastes like a strange asahi. <laughs> <laughs>
2: what a review! Oh, as the
0: two, only two Japanese beers I ever consumed. They taste slightly similar.
1: <laughs> uh, no, very, very good. That's, um, that's good. That's not, you know. Mm, yeah. Don't mind this one.
2: Mm. All right, cool. We'll come back to that.
0: That's very interesting.
2: It's like um, a strong Asahi, weirdly. Yeah, that's like, like an interesting, like, up taste at the back. Like, if, know. If, if beer was a cordial, this is like... This is like the homemade <laughs> the one concentrate. make it a little bit <laughs> yeah. A little bit stronger than normal yeah, like, the, one,
1: the ones when mum says Yes you can make yeah. The cordial <laughs> yeah. for the yeah. night Yeah is,
2: This did. is a This is like a beer That's yeah. been sort of Boiled down You know yeah. Really yeah. Sort of <laughs> <laughs> <concentrated. laughs> You really concentrated. It. <laughs> it's a little thick It's a little
0: thick <laughs> It really slides down your throat Yeah
1: <laughs> uh. <laughs> so, yeah so as no, Aaron <laughs> as Aaron mentioned just before mm. we're here to talk about about medications mm. um and the sort of medications that uh we might see um yeah when you get into the field yeah or... when when we start working in mental health
0: um but yeah I thought it would be good to kind of start off on the general thought like ge- kind of generally like how does medication function in the mental health sector how did it get in there mm. um yeah, like, why? Why does it exist? Why do we need it there? Or do we not need it then? Like, you know, what does it do? Yeah, I suppose then we can maybe get into the nitty gritty afterwards. Maybe. I think I think that's a great idea, Aaron. Yeah. Right? So I know Josh. Josh is pretty. Inter- you're, you're telling us before you're pretty interested in like the history of medication and stuff. Yeah,
2: yeah. 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 I mean, it's an interesting story how we got to use drugs in mental health and psychiatry, um, and it's it's difficult to try and cover um, because. Um, psychopharmacology has been sort of my area of study for the last oh, 11 years of post-secondary Ooh, schooling. Yeah. Um, so whittling that down to an hour, I was sort of like, how much time do you have? <laughs> now we've already so, used up like five minutes. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so, sorry, what was the question? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's,
0: um. How, how did like, um, how did medication kind of Enter the mental (coughs) health field And like, what's its kind of function
2: Sure Um, Medication entered the mental health field With the invention of Something called chlorpromazine Mm. In I think 1954 Mm. So before that um, We had asylums Which were run by psychiatrists And psychoanalysts And they had people with all ranges of chronic um, Psychotic disorders And depressive disorders there um, and we had no drugs. We had no drugs yet. Um, so all of these uh, consultants would actually talk to their patients. Can you imagine that? <laughs>
0: whoa, whoa, what a man! <laughs> anyway,
2: it's so almost as if the pendulum has swung too far the other way. <laughs> no, but chlorpromazine... <laughs> that was great. Sorry, continue. Smear <laughs> uh, my little high horse. So, <laughs> yeah. so chlorpromazine came along. Um, after they they started doing some, some work on antihistamines, okay, mm. and they invented um, promethazine, also known as Fenergin.
0: Um <laughs> <laughs> I, so ru- I ruined everything. I'm so sorry. I tried to make sure my phone was You're on right. silent and exploded the podcast. You are unbelievable!
1: <laughs> unbelievable! <laughs> I, I, was so, I was
0: a bit dysregulated. About
2: every her. every time. I we, demand we, absolute we, silence while I'm <laughs> delivering this lecture. Every time we try anything, and... Re- and every, <laughs> it is a lecture. Uh,
1: so every time we try and record a podcast, Aaron, you do something. You just,
2: you just change. I'm
0: just, you just, I just not a fan of perfection. Yeah. I just need things to be slightly wrong. Uh, Josh, <laughs>
2: please, please continue. Yeah, so they they created this antihistamine, promethazine, yeah, yeah, or yeah. Funergan, Um and they were giving it to people as a bit of an anti-anxiety pill. Um, and then psychiatrists noticed that it's kind of like pretty calming to their patients. Um, and then they did a test of um, this new drug called chlorpromazine, and again, made people you know quite calm. um it can also you know be a bit sedating. They started giving it to people before surgery, um as like an anxiolytic before they went under. Then they found when they gave it to psychotic patients, they stopped hearing voices. They weren't as delusional um and they had fewer sort of psychomotor symptoms um and then of course once the government realized how amazing this is we now actually have a treatment for these people that were chronic and treatment resistant um they then just shut all the asylums and gave everyone chlorpromazine so that's how biology or biological agents got introduced into the field of mental health so it was a complete accident yeah. And then by further sort of breaking down of these these drugs and their chemical structures, we found out what receptors they worked on outside of being an antihistamine. Mm. And then that developed our, our theory and understanding of what psychosis is in terms of the brain and receptors. Mm. Uh, so the drug came first um, accidentally. Yeah. And then from how the drug was working, <laughs> they then sort of reverse engineered it to figure yeah. out... Mm. Um, what the mechanism of psychosis is.
0: Wow. wow, That is really, that is really interesting. Um, yeah. So the drug informed the definition of the, the illness in a way.
2: Yeah. In terms of the, the, um, the biological targets of it um, and the the potential pathophysiology or the, the mechanism behind it. What is this drug actually doing to stop, um, or to try and combat this mm. this illness because an antihistamine that puts you to sleep that's one thing but how is it stopping the voices how is it making their delusions mm. go away how is it improving their their level of psychomotor agitation
0: i noticed that you also kind of linked it to the change in which we provide mental health like the move away from asylums that medication um is like a key kind of part of that like you don't Talk more about that because like that's something that I've kind of vaguely heard but like in terms of like are you saying that like the way in which like the way in which we provide mental health care is kind of facilitated by the fact that medication exists in a sense
2: yeah and that's I suppose um you know the the almost the downfall of you know traditional psychotherapy and psychoanalysis the early days of, of psychiatry and mental health where mm. Um, we didn't have imaging we didn't have drugs um, we just based our therapy our treatments on the talking cure by Freud and Jung and found that it was helpful and there wasn't a whole lot of treatments available so they usually they put all these people in asylum some got better some didn't um, and they'd just get therapy all day um, and they'd live lives there and then chlorpromazine came out and then some other medications like antidepressants uh, mood stabilizers and they realized that um, we, can, we can just treat with with medications, So there was sort of a um, shift away from those old days of the traditional way of treating patients with the talking mm-hmm. cure into a biological focused uh, method. And you could even argue that that's kind of lingering today in that I'm, I'm sure your guys experience in public mental health, um, the, the treatments that we give people um, are overwhelmingly biological in nature. Um, because they're, you know, expected to work quicker. Um, You don't have to throw a lot of resources at it. Mm. Um, And, yeah, you just just treat biologically. That's all Mm. people get when they're in public mental health land, unfortunately. But with the Royal Commission and the new change into Mm. the new Mental Health and Wellbeing Act, they're trying to go back the other way and introduce much more psychological interventions to people in public mental health.
0: Yeah. Maybe think of, like, the reason... I was just thinking about, like, the reason why... The, si- <coughs> the asylums were no longer needed in a sense because like the medication was a kind of containment for the symptoms whereas it used to be like the buildings that were a containment for people is that does that seem right to you or is that not um it does it
2: and this is this is probably another topic about the history of asylums and psychiatry there is obviously like a Horrible, horrific history of asylums, particularly mm. going back, you know, sort of three, four hundred years in yeah. England. In bedlam, bedlam was an asylum. So if you've heard the mm. term or the phrase, you know, going bedlam, going yeah. crazy, that's mm. where it came from. Mm. Um, and there was significant human rights violations and things mm. back then. There was sort of the um, demonification of, of mental illness, mm. um, and it was considered a moral issue. Um, but actually up until the sort of final-ish days at least in Australia and across the world the asylums were were massive and they housed huge numbers of, of people and um, I believe someone will have to check me on this I think that's where sort of the, the birth or at least the early beginnings of occupational therapy came out of um, because people, they noticed that people that were chronically unwell got better when they had some sort of purpose, some sort of occupational thing to throw themselves into. So some mm. of these asylums were like almost little functioning villages with a garden, a butcher, a post office yeah, right. um, all of this <laughs> stuff and everyone had a job and some sort of meaning so Ooh. yeah, you're right in the sense that um, previously the asylums as a building were containing for the person so to speak or mm. um, that would give them a safety blanket and then they decided they could shut it down because we've now got these magical drugs. Right, mm. okay
0: Wow, yeah, that's, that's huge. That's a huge shift in the way, like, yeah, the sector would have thought about and facilitated mental health treatment. Like,
1: yeah, drastically different. Mm. Yeah. And I can imagine it would have made that transition um, to kind of moving out of asylums a lot easier when we had these these medications that did make people's, uh, you know, functioning
2: and, and quality of life um, improve. Uh, yeah, it... it I wouldn't say it was an easy transition. Um, it worked for some people. Mm. Um, it worked for enough of them that they were they could justify closing them down. Yeah. The ones that it didn't work for were sort of lost in the gaps, unfortunately. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Cool. Um, yeah. So, so that medication came from they just disc- an antihistamine. Are yep. uh, they other kind of like. You're talking, you're talking a bit about some other interesting places in which medica- like, different medications have been found. Yeah,
2: I really like yeah. this one. I think this is mm. a cool one. The history of lithium, mm. which is probably a drug that most people are familiar with. Yeah. Um, so lithium is used typically as a mood stabilizer for bipolar. And uh, that was discovered by an Australian psychiatrist, actually. So mm. represent John Cade. <laughs> um, <laughs> But um, interestingly, before, before lithium was used as a drug, if we go back ages and ages ago, um, you could get it sort of on the, in the stores um, as an alternative to table salt because they, <laughs> they found that it, it could flavor food without increasing blood pressure. Um, and actually, they, they sold a number of foods that were fortified with lithium salt instead of sodium chloride, including um, uh, something we still have today, 7-Up, the beverage, the, the the lemonade soft drink. It was it was sold as it, honestly it was sold as a lit, yeah a lithiated carbonated beverage. Um, that's wild. <laughs> seven yeah. Up killing me as we speak. Oh, like,
1: <laughs> no, 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 not anymore. No. I think I think what this means, Aaron, is we can we can power electric vehicles with Seven Up.
0: Wow, this is a real breakthrough yeah. in science. Yeah. yeah, that's good.
1: Yeah. Um. Can, Elon Musk call me? <laughs>
2: just, just keep pouring just keep it in pouring yeah, in. yeah. 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 I, I don't know man there's something rattling around in the back of my mind pouring sugar in a gas tank I, don't know, I think it's probably fine I don't, I don't think about it too much yeah no
0: that's
2: good um, so yeah this is uh, and then they took it off the shelves obviously because mm. people started getting very unwell and having mm. seizures and dying <laughs> so this yeah. is this was used as a as a salt as a, as a mineral element and they're like oh this is way too dangerous they pulled mm. it off yeah um, and it wasn't until the 1940s they, they were looking into um, maybe using lithium again. And this psychiatrist, he had, he had the wrong hypothesis, but interestingly came to... He's kind of like stumbled into success. Yeah. So he had this idea, <clears throat> he was an Australian psychiatrist, that uric acid somehow caused bipolar. Okay. Mm-hmm. That turned out to be wrong, but... <laughs> So he started trying to treat high levels of uric acid or or gout in people. And he tried a few treatments and he came across lithium urate. Okay. So he gave it to, uh, or sorry, he gave, he got lithium urate, which turns into a soluble form of uric acid. He gave it to hamsters to see Mm. what they would do. And they got really lethargic and sleepy. So he's like, huh? Okay. So he gave it to 10 patients. Six were bipolar Four had schizophrenia, right? They all became less agitated. Schizophrenia patients, not so much. They were Mm. sort of whatever. But all the bipolars had their mood stabilised.
0: Right.
2: Mm. Yeah. 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 Interesting. There you go. Um So, yeah, that's pretty cool. And then there's, like, just some other really interesting things about lithium, like... um, Because it's, like, a naturally occurring (laughs) mineral... Yeah, yeah, um, It's been hypothesized that even in very low doses, it can curb impulsivity. So there are are ecological studies out there today that show um, places that have high concentrations of lithium in the groundwater... Okay, of the water (laughs) supply. No, no. If you match that community... Yeah. demographic to demographic with neighboring ones has a statistically lower suicide rate oh wow that's outrageous it what? is <laughs> yeah. from a from a like like one milligram of, of yeah, yeah, like, yeah yes yes yeah. and uh it, and also we don't know how it works so there's that as well that's oh really oh <laughs> well well there's like several different theories theories yeah. but um mm. it's it, it's a salt it's a it's an element it doesn't mm. it doesn't bind to a receptor it's not a drug so to speak it gets completely excreted out in urine um and it's very soluble it it acts on every cell of the body and does something
1: wow
0: incredible that's, that's honestly wild <laughs> That's, that's <laughs> it amazing. Makes, yeah, it yeah. makes it like feel like magic. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It, it is like pure witchcraft. <laughs> um,
2: people just stumbling onto these drugs. Yeah. Uh, which is cool. Like, that is cool. What are yeah. we gonna stumble onto tomorrow? You know. Mm.
0: Mm. It makes me. Th- I mean, like, a complete tangent. We'll get onto like the specifics in a second. But like, it makes me think about like, like, you know, like herbal medicines or like natural, like, 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 like um, traditional medicines. I guess you could call it like. Maybe it's like indigenous, or like I typically see around like Chinese medicines. And it's like in my mind, because I'm just used to like the Western model of medicine, I'm just like, oh, yeah, that probably doesn't work. It's not in a pill form. How could it work? But then like lithium is just like a natural element that we tried and just like works with bipolar. And I'm just like, yeah, "Yeah, okay, like maybe I'm just like really like fixed on Western medicine being in Mm. a very specific form and it's limiting my. I don't know, but I, I think same there's lots of medicines well, that have no evidence backing. So like, that's yeah, not well, like a mean, casual, but yeah, like you yeah. know, yeah. they used to
2: they used to laugh at the Greeks that would gnaw on the bark of a willow tree when they had a toothache or pain, and everyone's like, ha ha, those those traditional folk. Until they realise if you powder the bark of the willow tree, you can get uh, salicylic acid, and if you add some methanoic acid to that, you can create acetyl salicylic acid or aspirin. Oh, there you go. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, it all. They, a lot of them, they all come from somewhere. <clears> yeah. <throat> oh, well, that's
1: that's that's super interesting. I, I I could I reckon I could hear, I could listen to you talk about just <laughs> uh, drugs we've stumbled on uh, onto in 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 the past uh, forever. But um, I kind of want to know a little bit about the sort of things that we might might <laughs> expect to see. Uh, you know, patients or clients that we're working with, uh, yeah. you know, med- medicated on. Um, I guess according to to maybe what they're what they're struggling with. Um,
0: yeah, like what's the common stuff, and like what are like what what are the reasons why you prescribe them? Yeah, or the side effects. Like yeah. That?
1: So if we if we would like to say kick off with uh, depression, okay. Um, yeah. What sort of I guess indications would you be looking for to to start? thinking about okay an antidepressant medication here is warranted and Mm. then what are what are some of the go-tos so that people I guess listening can 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 kind of think okay yep this my my patient's on this medication
2: I know why. Yep. So first of all um before starting a medication for depression or an antidepressant um we first have to make sure that obviously the diagnosis is right mm. um, because these drugs that we use they do have side effects and sometimes they can um precipitate other mental health issues if the diagnosis isn't correct an example mm. is bipolar mm. so if someone has comes to you very depressed and they actually have a bipolar type illness um, you actually want to avoid antidepressants in that person because it can tip them into a manic episode, mm. which is very dangerous for the person. So taking a proper history is important. Make sure you know what you're treating. If you've got depression or depressive illness, um, and you're considering the use of antidepressants, usually we would say, um, and as per the college guidelines, Um, mild moderate severe depression you'd probably want to look at using medication if they fall in the moderate to severe Mm. um side of things um and pair it with cbt or your sort of psychotherapy of choice um so decision to start medication is based on the diagnosis and the i suppose the level of acuity of illness Mm. um and yeah, the, the medications that we use are, are antidepressants, um, the most common class, uh, and the first line that we use is called SSRIs, or Selective Serotonin Reuptake Inhibitors. Um, and they're, they're one of the more new drugs. I think they were actually um, one of the first ones that was targeted drug design, so it was based on a receptor, and then they built a drug for it, rather mm. than sort of accidental mm. discovery. Yeah. And, and what these drugs do is um, they, you have nerve cells in your brain that's sole purpose is to release serotonin from the end of it. Uh, and that serotonin is a uh, neurotransmitter or a molecule that then acts on another um, nerve cell that has those serotonin receptors. Um, so once that serotonin is released It's just floating in a bath in the brain So you need some way to get that serotonin back into the cell To be reused again So you've got these transporter molecules mm. um, And what SSRIs do is they block these transporter molecules Which means the serotonin stays in the brain for longer Activating the next nerve cell for longer And the reason why we found that to work clinically is we've noticed there's a correlation between low serotonin levels and severity of depression. In a Mm. nutshell, it's a lot more complex than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So this is the first time when they looked at sort of a an uh, an endpoint and said we notice that these people have really low serotonin. Is there Hmm. something we can do to to try and address that? And they created these drugs.
0: Yeah. So one of um like common SSRIs that we prescribe prescribed and what are effects
2: and um, yeah probably the most common ones um, fluoxetine uh mm-hmm. prozac which was the first one ever made in 1987 mm-hmm. um followed by citalopram then escitalopram, sertraline um, things like that those are the top ones okay are there mm-hmm. big differences
0: between those or is it just like a matter of some of them are better for different people or
2: um, that, that's an interesting question. So, th- those are all that I mentioned, they're all SSRIs. Mm-hmm. Um, their affinity for the, which is the, the strength at which they bond to and block the serotonin transporter, slightly changes between them. Um, and also keep in mind that um, no drug perfectly acts singly on one receptor if you give enough of a drug they'll start getting dirty and they'll start bonding to other receptors Mm -hmm. um so the side effect profile is usually pretty similar across them okay um and you typically get um well before we go into the side effects Mm. is um interesting to note that only two percent of your body's serotonin receptors are in the brain oh yep
0: interesting
2: where are the others the gut
1: Oh yeah, 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 really? actually, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, huh. yeah. So 98% or so are, or some in the other way, but mainly in the in the GI tract. So what we typically tell people is when they're starting a drug that's going to increase serotonin everywhere, um, that they can expect things like maybe a little bit of nausea or being off their food, bloating. Um, they can get constipated or have runs, um, abdominal pain that's a big one mm. which makes sense based on how it acts and where the majority of the receptors are
0: yeah right so that's like would that be like the predominant kind of side effect that you if you were working with someone who was on an SSRI like the conversation you'd be having and something that would need to be keep an eye on consider as yeah. part of the decision-making to take the medication itself as well
2: or? yeah and going through just like informed consent like no drug mm. is a hundred percent safe And they all have some sort of side effects. Um, So that's just the GI ones. You can Mm. get sort of like lethargy, tiredness, headaches. Um, You can sometimes get some visual changes initially. Um, Insomnia can mess with your sleep-wake cycle. Um, you can get difficulties with um, erectile dysfunction, things like that. So it's actually pretty mm. like multi-system mm. yeah, side yeah. effects yeah, as yeah. are sort of all of the drugs that we use. Mm. Um, yeah. Okay.
1: Is there anything uh, that patients shouldn't be maybe taking SSRIs with?
2: Yeah, absolutely. That's mm. a good one. So um, because it acts on serotonin, You want to avoid anything that also increases your serotonin. Um, So some examples might be um, you can get some anti-nausea tablets that work on uh, blocking serotonin um, or increasing serotonin. Um, You want to avoid that. Um, This is for the SSRIs specifically. Mm -hmm. Um, You want to avoid things like some over-the-counter remedies like St. John's Wort that naturally boosts serotonin. Um, Anything that could that could contribute to the the level of serotonin in your body because um serotonin toxicity is quite dangerous
0: okay what about like things like alcohol or other drugs or anything like that
2: um yeah i mean that's that's a good one one of the big ones probably Mm. is um something like the hallucinogenics so Mm. psilocybin or or lsd lysergic acid they they work on um, flooding the brain with massive amounts of serotonin in a very short period. Right. Um, if you're on an SSRI already, um, you're going to have a bad time. <laughs> yeah. it, um, is as gentle <laughs> as I can yeah. put it. Yeah, okay, um, sure. you, can, you can get very sweaty. Or you can get feverish um, heart palpitations. Jeez. Um, yeah. It's really not fun. Um, and the, the, <laughs> the experience is quite the bad trip. I have heard <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah okay good one to keep yeah. in mind um but yeah no, and then, but then genuinely something definitely to like yeah. talk to your clients yeah, about yeah. yeah and then
2: and then uh the the alcohol um issue i i sort of always recommend not to drink alcohol while on any mm-hmm. of these medications that affect the central nervous system mm-hmm. just because alcohol is a depressant um if someone's coming to me and they're depressed uh, they want to You know <laughs> yeah, like, <sure. clears throat> yeah. We're fighting a losing battle here It's sort of like yeah, yeah, yeah. I, can, I can prescribe you as much of this as you want But it's not going to work If you're still depressing your brain And your receptors with the alcohol So yeah. let's give it the best chance yeah. Try and abstain mm. Go through some motivational interviewing and, and work out a safe limit Or, mm. or to cut out completely yeah. We only want to change one thing at a time One variable at a time So I want to see what the real hero is here Yeah, mm. yeah
0: <clears throat> Okay, cool um how about we move on to like because i know like um antidepressants can be used also to treat anxiety yeah would there be different anti-anxiety medications that you typically use for anxiety or similar
2: um they're all sort of much of a muchness you you, mm. you use them based on the side effect profile some of them are different so i've mentioned ssris that's just one class mm. there are a few different classes of antidepressants but ssris is the majority of what we use mm-hmm. um and, yeah, it's uh, picking and choosing which one to start with is kind of an art rather than a science. Because, oh, right. yeah. yeah, yeah, because yeah. You're, you're, you're basing it on side effect profile and by far the best information I have to decide what, what one to put someone on mm. is uh, them telling me, I say, what have you tried? If mm. um, you're like, oh, I've tried these six ones. Well, what, which one was the best? Oh, probably this one. Okay, you want to give that a crack again? Sure. Um, yeah. if they're like, um, I've never tried an antidepressant before, but, uh, depression runs in my family and a lot of my family members are on medication, then I think, okay, which one though? Yeah. Mm. And it hasn't worked. Cause mm. if they're like my whole family is on sertraline and it saved their life, chances are you're going to respond to sertraline. Interesting. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because we suspect there's an inheritance with mm. the different. Um, enzymes that metabolize these these drugs and the the response that they get. So, if there's a family history of mental illness, you have an increased chance of getting that disorder. Likewise, mm. if there's a family history of good response to a certain medication, let's give it a crack. Why not? Hmm.
1: Okay. Yeah. Could grip it
2: and rip it. Yeah. Grip it <laughs> and rip it.
0: Yeah. Let's um let's normalise grip it and rip it as yeah. part of mental the therapy. Yeah. I yeah. <laughs>
2: And, and that's, that's pretty well supported. That's not just like mm-hmm. fobbing people off and mm, dipping yeah. our hand into a lucky bag and picking out mm. whichever one or whichever drug company gives me a pen with the, the label on it. Yeah. <laughs> or a cerical cup. Can't wait yeah. for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, can't, you can't be manic if you're asleep. <laughs> oh, <geez>. <laughs> <laughs> No, but like instead of instead of just being like, oh, you, you guys don't know what you're doing. Yeah. You're just lucky dipping it. It's it's actually more based on like head-to-head trials and meta-analyses that mm. show that there's actually very little uh, difference in the the clinical efficacy of the effectiveness of any of these antidepressants within this class. Mm. So new ones come out all the time. Um, usually when a patent ends and they need to create some sort of you know they. they Turned it into the active metabolite and say this one's marginally better they're all much of a muchness so i'd mm. rather go what are your most distressing symptoms let's see if we can pick one that targets them uh what's been your past response to medication and has anyone in your family had mm. a good response to medication that usually guides uh, my decision making process okay i
0: have a funny story about um new, uh, new medications being advertised to doctors <laughs> I was, when i was early working in um when i first started um working in the kim like a child youth team. Um they were kind of I was in like a I was just sitting in on like a psychiatrist training and they were like handing out like invitations to go to like a dinner to like be advertised to for like a medication. Yeah. And they just and they because <laughs> like I just the, the concept is they advertise a new medication that's coming out to try and convince you to prescribe it more.
2: Yes, that happens unfortunately. Yeah.
0: But I, I didn't know what that was. But I was like, it's a free dinner. And they don't know I'm a doctor. And I saw me and like one of my other like allied health people who just signed up for it and we just like went and just had like a free dinner and just like learned about this medication for no reason. Oh that's uh, a good thing. It was really cool. Oh yes. And then at the end they were like, Oh, so what do you work in? It's like, oh no, I'm a social worker. And they just like the confused look on their face, like, I don't know, you invited me.
2: <laughs> so you you've gone to you've gone to a timeshare presentation, you've heard the whole spiel. And when they're like, can we get you to sign on the dotted line? And you're like, no, thanks. I'm just going to take my tickets to Disneyland. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, wait, wait, wait. We've got a closer. And you're like, no, nah, yeah. this is all I'm hearing. <laughs> and you're like, what a waste of time. Uh, that, was good. that was a good time. <laughs> very good. Um, anyway. <laughs>
1: so what are we talking about? Um, um, anxiety. Yeah. So we, we, I guess we were talking a little bit about like SSRIs can be used for yeah. anxiety. What, what else would you thrown in the mix for anxiety
2: um there are a couple of other agents that we might use for anxiety or one of the anxiety disorders again prefacing this with we make sure the diagnosis is right first and get a severity Mm. um usually most of these um sort of affective or mood disorders um, respond pretty well to uh, cbt or psychotherapy so let's Mm. keep that in mind when you get to level you need to use drugs then so be it um we do use SSRIs or antidepressants for anxiety and it's it's a bit of a misnomer to say this class is an antidepressant, so it treats depression. This class is antipsychotic, so it treats psychosis. These are mood stabilizers. They're a bit more fluid than that. A lot mm. of antipsychotics can be used as mood stabilizers, for example. Um, treating anxiety, you've also got um, a couple of other medications that work short-term um, and are for short-term use only. So things like the benzodiazepines, Um, Anything that ends in PAM, um, adazepam, lorazepam, nitrazepam, um, oxazepam, things like that. And uh, the danger of those drugs is they work too good. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I have heard that. (laughs) (laughs) Too good. You want to chase that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So so unlike the SSRIs, the antidepressants, which take um, several weeks before they start working, uh, based on the proposed mechanism of action, um, which requires certain biological adaptations to the increased levels of serotonin, the um, the benzodiazepines, they work very quickly. Mm. Uh, they work on a neurotransmitter called GABA, which is a um, sort of a depressing, um, depressive, um, neurotransmitter in the brain mm. and when when your your GABA receptors get activated um, you get a tremendous sense of calmness you get sleepy and sedated um, it's like kind of thinking through mud um, and just very very chilled out and they work very quickly uh, as in within 20 minutes or so um, are you like great we've got a what a silver bullet! What a perfect drug! What could possibly go wrong with prescribing these drugs that, first of all, people get rapid tolerance to and have to escalate their use <laughs> of?
0: <laughs> yep.
2: Once it goes out of their system, they experience a rebound withdrawal from, and their anxiety is worse than baseline. And also the psychological reinforcement of If you encounter anything anxiety provoking Take this tablet Knock it in the head And you never have to face any anxious distress ever again mm. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> it's, well, it's a joke, it's one of my jokes <laughs> It's a good one <laughs> so, uh, what, what, well, let, me, let me get this right
1: okay. I, I don't read jokes too well sometimes but, So well, I understand this to be Jesse Go take lots of benzos for a long period of time.
2: Sure. (laughs) Yeah. Um so what's
0: so like is what would be is there a context in which taking a benzo would be a helpful situation?
2: Excellent question, Jesse Richardson. Yes. Jesse has his hand up.
0: Flying! Fly (laughs) what flying? Wait, what? Yeah? Is that a side effect of benzos?
2: No, that's a side effect of that LSD we were talking about earlier. Yeah. <laughs> um, sure. All right. That's the exam answer. Flying. So, um...
0: <laughs> Gotcha. Wow, you got him good. Jeez.
2: <laughs> sure. So there, we all have things that cause us anxiety. Mm. Um, and if it's something that's really debilitating, then it becomes, I suppose, a disorder because it's impairing our day-to-day function. Um, for some people, that social anxiety, being out in public, or agoraphobia, or specific phobia of mm-hmm. things that they maybe can't avoid, um, or a generalized anxiety of being always on edge, something is going wrong is going mm-hmm. to happen to you. In that case, uh, you can't really avoid that, so you're going to have to deal with it. So, SSRIs, therapy, exposure response, prevention, graded exposure until you get sort of an extinction effect. the the anxiety that it causes and then you've you've overcome it Um, but say it is something like flight which you know not everyone does all the time say that you only do you know an overseas trip you know once a year once every couple of years if it's a very specific circumstance that causes you unmanageable anxiety and it's a very rare occurrence then why not why not give something to take Mm -hmm. the edge off that's in like the short term Mm -hmm. for a very specific reason um same thing we give it to people you know pre-surgery if they're really anxious you know you're not going to get that every day of your life Mm. um but for like you know well circumscribed defined periods there's a role for it i would also say as well there's i would argue there's a role for it if you're commencing um a new medication a new antidepressant and you're trying to rapidly increase it for one reason or another um that can be really it can throw people off with all those side effects. It can actually increase anxiety and agitation in the mm. short term. Why not give them give them five days or so of a of an anti anxiety, and then they can wean off it. Or if they've been admitted to you know a public psych ward, it's an unfamiliar environment. Um, it's very chaotic. It's probably the worst day of their life. Uh, why not? I think there's a there's mm. definitely a purpose for them mm. when they're used safely. Interesting.
0: I I have seen like medications like diazepam used in the context of someone coming to a medicine department and just like in like anxious and distressed. Yeah. as part of like a um uh like a, like a larger picture of being feeling anxious for various reasons might yeah. be a specific mental illness or a a circumstance outside the um, psychosocial circumstance that's affecting them and maybe they're coming to E D maybe not frequently but every now and again and then um kind of part of the solution is here have a couple of tablets so that you can kind of yeah. take it when you're starting to feel feel anxious when you go home and things like that is that a reasonable use so is that something you can be careful yes about? of course they're
2: yeah. in a they're in mm. a hospital it's probably the worst day of their life in yeah, yeah, cool. some time mm-hmm. um they've been brought in either voluntarily or against their will mm. they don't know what's happening yeah um you know my argument is first of all you can't do a true assessment of them if they're in that sort of anxious state mm-hmm. and it's also pretty unconscionable to keep them in that like you wouldn't if you were a pain specialist or an anesthetist be like oh well they're already in a you know in a bit of a state like you know mm-hmm. their pain's reasonably controlled but i don't want to overdo it it's like no no you shouldn't leave them in pain you should mm-hmm. give them appropriate analgesia yeah it, it helps them settle down it makes it less traumatic of an experience and it helps me be able to do a proper assessment
1: yeah. Cool. Mm. Sweet. That's good. Very good. Cool. Yeah. All right. Okay.
0: Um. What do we What do we got next what? What on the list?
1: Oh, I want to. I wanna know a little bit. A little bit. You, got, you got more. You got more. All a little, right. little, little oh, more. A little more. A little more. No. Not about the anxiety. Okay. Yeah. Go. We're, on, we're go done on. with that. All right. Um. I'm just gonna book in to see my my GP. To get some benzos. Yeah, cool. Oh, you got a flight coming up? Really yeah. You got a big flight coming up? <laughs> actually, actually oh, I do have a flight coming up. <laughs> yeah. What, you actually, getting
2: surgery on that plane? <laughs> <laughs> what are you?
0: There's <laughs> alternating days for planes and surgery, just like for the rest of my life. Yeah.
1: You know? um, I want to know a little bit about antipsychotics. Sure.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's where, that's where I was going, Jesse. Jeez. Whatever, that's fine. This is. Um, we'll, we'll have this argument
2: later. So. This is good. <laughs> so we, we mentioned, yeah. Argue You're later. watching this relationship break yeah. down yeah, in, yeah, real time. Yeah. in real time yeah. Yeah. Oh, It's good to be on the last episode of this podcast
1: <laughs> Our first and last episode <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. I've just bookended your, yeah, your yeah. podcast completely It's poetic really <laughs> i brought you guys into this world, I can take you out <laughs> oh, <geez>. <laughs> <laughs> okay,
0: so Let's go, let's go okay. antipsychotics
2: um, the deal? Antipsychotics, so again... Um, Everything I'm explaining is a very simplistic uh, understanding and somewhat outdated. But basically, uh, we, the, the common belief is that uh, psychosis, um, which is a, a mental illness characterised by uh, hallucinations, um, delusions or strange thinking, as well as disordered thoughts and behaviours, um, there is a belief that it is caused by dopamine receptors and dopamine in the brain. So, the SSRIs, the antidepressant, that was serotonin. Um, the anxiolytics, uh, that was GABA. And the uh, antipsychotics, that's dopamine. Um, and we figured this out because these drugs that they came across that were strong antihistamines and sedating, they found out they also um, have an effect in blocking dopamine or D two receptors in the brain. Um, it is interesting for Nergen, the antihistamine. Um, that's actually an antipsychotic.
0: Really? Yep. So. Oh.
2: I actually took one last night, so I took an antipsychotic last night. Technically,
0: (laughs) yeah, right.
2: Something that I tell med students all the time, while they freak out and they're like, (laughs) "I wouldn't associate." I'm I'm different to these these people with the schizophrenia or whatever. I'm like, you're not so different if you've ever taken this drug. (laughs) Um, So yeah, so we found that Uh um, when you when you block dopamine, specifically D two receptors in the brain you can uh, have people that have this this syndrome of uh, hallucinations, uh, bizarre thoughts, as well as disordered thoughts and behavior, they get better, okay? So that was their first sort of thought that maybe dopamine has something to do with this. Then that was supported by further evidence that if you give um, regular people that don't experience that, if you give them... Uh, amphetamines, or something that massively increases dopamine in the brain, they can start hearing voices. They can start getting paranoid, their thoughts can get jumbled. Mm, mm. So that kind of supported that initial theory as well as like further stuff mm, down the line. Yeah. So yeah, ultimately, the, the antipsychotics that we use, um, they um, all of them, uh, without exception, have an effect on blocking dopamine D two receptors, mm. and then it gets more interesting than that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, we yeah. probably don't have to. That didn't do it. Well, well. I'm we going to tell you about yet. it. Okay. So. <laughs> okay. That's, yeah, go. For it. <laughs> tell, tell us a bit. <laughs> so, um, you've got obviously, you, as you can imagine, if you've got these receptors all through your brain, um, not all of them are going to be responsible for psychosis. Um, you're going to have different tracks and pathways through the brain that have these dopamine receptors on it. Mm. Um, as we've found, if you if you block the dopamine receptors, at sort of the the back of the brain um, near the brainstem where where movement is, um, people get really sort of wooden and rigid in their movements. Uh, they kind of look like a Parkinson's patient, sort of shuffling. Mm. Um, then we've found if you uh block it uh, more centrally and frontally where the um uh there's a gland that releases prolactin um and if you block that then the prolactin increases which we don't really want um there's only sort of one tract in the middle that we actually want to fully block the dopamine receptors of so all of the drugs that we use um block dopamine in the different pathways in a variable amount. You see, that's where you get the different side effect profile from.
0: Uh, Right. Okay.
2: So -hmm. if you look at something like one of the really classic ones, like haloperidol, um, one floor of the cuckoo's nurse, everyone's really rigid as a board and walking. That's because haloperidol is really bad at blocking the dopamine towards the back of the brain where your movement center is. Mm -hmm. Whereas some of these newer agents Completely avoid that and just target the, the, mm-hmm. the tract in the middle that's, that's important for the, the psychosis or the positive symptoms, we might say. Okay. So,
0: what are these um, newer medications, the common ones that maybe someone might start off with or get
2: into? Um, sure. So, again, um, with the antipsychotics, we've got. Um, the the rigid edge ones that first came out, yeah, yeah, uh, they're called the first generations mm. of chlorpromazine, haloperidol, things like that, um, and they're pretty they're pretty powerful. They block dopamine everywhere, mm. and they almost exclusively block dopamine. Then we created the second generation drugs, <laughs> okay, Ooh. and uh, that was a new yeah. a new era. They I'll, said, I wonder what comes after
1: the second generation. <laughs> <laughs> Please continue. <laughs> We do have third generations, yes. Yeah,
2: yeah. Please
0: tell us about the grand, the of second generation, aka
1: the Zoomers, as I call them. (laughs) (laughs) With their TikToks and their their podcasts. Um, So the
2: the second generation drugs were um, much better at targeting the pathways we wanted for dopamine, Mm. and we thought this is great. This is what a treat. Look, they're not rigid as a board. They can walk around. They're not having these horrible side effects. This is only... This is the future. No one is ever going to be non-compliant with medication ever again. (laughs) Uh, And then we found out that people really didn't like taking them because they have other side effects. Oh. Because these are dirty drugs. Okay. As in, sure, the dopamine, they were only targeting the track that works (laughs) on the psychotic symptoms. But then they found they also have an antihistamine effect. They affect adreno receptors, so you get hypotension. Uh, it basically is a very dirty drug that hits about six or seven different receptors, depending on the amount you give them, uh, and it can cause diabetes, metabolic side effects, dry Ooh. mouth, constipation. Um, their blood pressure can plummet when they stand up. Um, so then maybe they weren't the saving grace that we thought they yeah, were, the okay. second gens. Right. Okay. And similar to the antidepressants, um, when you compare all of these drugs together mm. properly, there's really no one that's yeah. been proven to be sort of better than others at treating psychosis, except one. Oh,
0: well, t- tell me before you tell go me what that. it is. Oh, Guess. <laughs> The the, the the
2: the most effective
0: oh 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 I know what it is it's um starts with C doesn't it
2: we used to have a clinic oh clozapine 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 yeah. is by far yeah. the best antipsychotic we mm. have in fact we use it for treatment resistant psychosis or mm. schizophrenia if you have tried six or seven others mm. then or not even that really guidelines say you should only try two Then you go to clozapine, and that'll do the trick. Uh, But it is a very uh, dirty drug. It affects a lot of different receptors, not just in the brain, but in the heart, the GI tract. Um, It can cause issues with um, production of white blood cells. Um, It's a very, very dangerous drug. It can cause myocarditis, inflammation of the heart, so you need to monitor it very closely. That's why we don't just give it to everyone at first episode, we try them on the sort of Quote, safer ones first and if it's mm. treatment resistant then we go to clozapine and because it is just leaps ahead of everything else and so is that that's why you have the clinics for it as well is it yeah so yeah. clozapine um typically in public mental health services they run a clozapine clinic so people that mm. are on on clozapine um they come in and and it's it's a real rigmarole like you know every month they need to get their bloods done yeah. Um, that's mm. for the rest of their life. Wow, jeez! Uh, every you know six months or two years, they need to get um, a trace of the heart to check that that's going fine. They need to get an ultrasound of the heart to check there's mm. no structural problems, um, and a huge number of side effects. Cool.
0: What are the slightly topic, What are the common um, second generation antipsychotics that people might see?
2: So the common ones would be something like um, olanzapine, risperidone uh quetiapine those are probably the big ones mm-hmm. um that most people have heard of again these are like drug names not trade names so yeah sure you know fluoxetine prozac most yeah. people have heard of prozac rather yeah. than so yeah Lanzapine, zyprexa is the trade name mm-hmm. um or, yeah. or are, are
0: there like are, are there dramatic differences between like so like, the effective process of their side effect profile is different in terms of their like effectiveness or who they would be effective for is that does that make a big difference in terms of alleviation of symptoms
2: um i guess it depends what you're using it for as well Mm. so um olanzapine risperidone they they bond pretty well to dopamine receptors um quetiapine doesn't so you need to use a lot of quetiapine before it actually starts working as an antipsychotic, Mm. um which can be used as a as a good tool actually um, because these drugs are dirty, they bond to other receptors before they bond to dopamine. So if you've got something like quetiapine, if you want to use it as a proper antipsychotic, you're looking at using a dose of six or 700 milligrams. Mm. However, if you yeah. use half of a 25 milligram tablet, it can kind of take the edge off your anxiety. Mm. Um, if you take a full mm. 25 milligram tablet or a 50, uh pretty strong antihistamine that's just like taking a phenergin. Mm. you increase it to 100 200 as it turns out you're getting into mood stabilizer territory but if you want to use it for schizophrenia you got to use serious doses so mm. the way that they bind to receptors is dose dependent so, so the first ones it hits are the, the the histamine ones um and then it sort of escalates up there
1: so that would be why uh, you know sometimes you might see uh, patients who have uh, you know quetiapine as a prn Yeah, absolutely.
2: And that's actually going back to our anxiolytics or anti-anxiety drugs. um, Quetiapine can be used as a um, short-term anti-anxiety because it doesn't Mm. have that same issue with tolerance and withdrawal and dependency as the Mm. benzos. People can generally find that they can sort of stop taking it pretty easily and they also don't have to escalate their use of quetiapine.
0: Mm -hmm. I have noticed that there are some medications that are like theoretically for one thing but then are used for something else in practice like like are there like um because i don't know the details but it's just like there are some like antipsychotics, like you mentioned like serical before that are like used for other purposes like sedation mm. or other kinds That's
1: of things. risperidone well. is a is a is a pretty yeah. common one mm. that i guess uh you know I've, I've seen around a fair bit in um child Yep, child and youth mm. um, I imagine with like um,
2: um, autism spectrum disorder mm.
1: yeah yeah yep. and, and other um, I think just yeah really explosive sort of
2: behaviours yep. and stuff like yeah, that absolutely. yeah absolutely so because these drugs and and usually they're used at quite low doses yeah because so, yeah. you're you're using it basically for that sort of um Taking the edge off effect That anti-anxiety mm-hmm. Or ever so slight sedation mm. yeah. um, I know like sometimes uh, Finergan is used in, in kids That are low dose mm. That have really significant behavioural issues Because it just kind of takes them down From a 10 out of 10 mm. to an 8 out of 10 Without mm. excessive sedation yeah. So there's lo- There's lots of examples mm. like that Absolutely okay, Yeah. 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 Mm. Okay. Are there ones that I mean
0: may, there may not be But are there ones that come to mind That people There's like Is there something you you would come across very commonly or should look out for?
2: I think just to be mindful that, um, be wary of of Google and what you look into, because Mm. as I indicated earlier, we're not so rigid about the class of of medications that we use. And um, this was particularly relevant for me when I came from um, a psychiatry of old age rotation. Um, A lot of patients with dementia, Um, that had a lot of behavioral issues. Um, They'd have sort of sundowning, which is um, um, sort of having a bit of a turn towards the end of the day and um, losing their cognition and their their orientation and getting quite aggressive. Mm -hmm. Um, So we were using some of these medications like risperidone, which is an antipsychotic, to control their behavior because there's a lot of really good evidence for it. Mm. Um, But when the family or someone would Google it, they'd really worry Mm. um, about this drug Mm. and why we're giving it to them when they're not psychotic. So Mm. sometimes I've had to explain like we're using lower doses and we're using it for a different purpose than the actual class of medication it is. Yeah, Yeah. okay. That's definitely Mm. worth it. Very good. Just like how, you know, SSRIs, oh, it's an antidepressant. Yeah, but we use it for anxiety.
1: Um, yeah, you
2: know, you give someone that's you know has bipolar, that has some kidney issues or whatever, and is a young woman that wants to get pregnant, so can't be on sodium valproate, and they're like, well, why are they on why are they on a lanzapine? That's not a mood stabilizer. Mm, actually, it is if you use a little bit of it. Yeah. Mm, so it's yeah. sort of the, the, there's not these naturally defined boundaries, so to speak. Some of these these drugs in each class have actually been proven. To have a a good effect on 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 other things.
1: Mm. Okay. okay, cool. Now, this is very 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 interesting stuff. Um, and and. <laughs> Someone you, you, says you're lyingly <laughs> no, I'm <laughs> not I'm I'm convinced
0: at all not, I'm not saying this lyingly <laughs> He's fallen asleep
1: No, no, no this is, this is really, really quite interesting stuff And I think that the, the very nature of yeah, yeah, this Yeah, yeah, What is uh, dopamine or I don't know <laughs> No, no, oh, so, no. sorry the very, the very nature of, I guess, the podcast that we're, we're doing today is, is You know, there's so much depth to it It's going to be a bit of a longer one um, Yeah, I reckon but, it's got to be longer, it's fine Oh, yeah, yeah okay. No, yeah, no, yeah, we're, not, cool. we're not, we're not yeah, finishing yeah. off before we, we, we hit the main... The main the main, the main, a main, uh, a main bit? the main section of this podcast. Yeah. The main uh, section, <laughs> which is usually the beer review. Okay. Oh, we got something else. Party drugs. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Okay. No. no. No, I don't want I know would about like party to Party drugs. <laughs> um I would like to know about um some uh you know forms of of medication. Yeah. That is just kind of being researched at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. for for mental health and and I guess a few things that come to mind for me is like um you know psilocybin, um, uh, there's there's ketamine, there is MDMA, yep. um, all of that sort of stuff. I want I want to know a little bit about that.
2: Sure. Um. So it's pretty it's pretty exciting times actually in terms of drug development. Um, Because we've got these new class of uh, what's called uh, rapid acting antidepressants and uh, psychedelic assisted psychotherapy. So the downfall of the medications we use for depression is that they have bad side effects. Um, You need to take them once a day, every day for at least four weeks before you'll even start to see an effect. Oh, you'll get the side effects to start with. <laughs> but your mood won't actually clinically improve for sort of four weeks. That's if it works at all. Um, most people trial a drug, do a proper trial, and they said, no effect. You're like, great, right, start from scratch. So it's, it's really challenging um, to try and give someone uh, any sort of relief quickly with these drugs. They just don't work quickly. And they don't work well enough Um, the elephant in the room here in this podcast is I'm talking about all of these different drugs we use particularly the antidepressants I really try and undersell them to people if I'm going to start them Mm. Um, I try and tell them like this will probably make things about 10% better Um, Mm. in the sense that it might give you a little bit of energy and motivation to get off the couch to get into therapy and there you'll get better Mm. Um, but it's not not a happy pill by any Mm. means of any stretch of the imagination but we've got this exciting new research that's coming together about some of these psychedelic agents and ketamine that has been shown to rapidly and permanently um, mm. fix people's mood, so to speak. Mm. Really? And the the sort of the and it's from like one one dose of one drug once.
0: That's outrageous. Which <laughs> is outrageous. It's so exciting.
2: Like I never get to promise this stuff to people. This yeah. is so cool. Mm. Um, and and the the suspected mechanism of how they work is um, if you can imagine someone that has significant anxiety or treatment-resistant depression or, or trauma background um, and has really a, a very negative, pessimistic outlook on the world and view of themselves, that's a very rigid way of thinking and when we give people antidepressants or any of these medications or even therapy what we're trying to do is we're trying to increase some flexibility in that Mm. way of thinking and that rigidity and try and get them to see things from a new perspective and then reinforce that new perspective so that their outlook changes Um, drugs do that By giving a whole amount of serotonin, it actually increases brain plasticity and allows new pathways to form, and so does therapy, but it takes time. We have found with these psychedelic agents such as LSD, lysergic acid, psilocybin, um, to an extent MDMA, but that's more with PTSD symptoms, um, you can very rapidly increase the plasticity of the brain and allow new connections to form that's dose-dependent. So it's not over time, it's due to the drug. You Mm. flood the brain with this drug, it allows the brain to basically reset the way it thinks about things and these very rigid pessimistic pathways then open and you can train a new way of thinking. And that's really exciting. Mm -hmm. That's really cool.
0: So to clarify, can you cure depression by going outside and picking some choice mushrooms?
2: I don't want to <laughs> mince my words here. Yeah, yeah. About a hundred percent, yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know where that was going. <laughs>
2: no, don't do that.
0: Don't do that. Yeah, yeah, totally.
2: Um, we are talking about, uh, you know, first of all, the danger of picking mushrooms. Yeah. Um, but then also, even even so, we're still working out what dose you need, mm. um, the the exact route of administration. Um, how often you should have it, whether it's just a one-off or whatever, and also you need basically a trained sort of trip sitter So it's psychedelic-assisted psychotherapy. Mm. Ah, the idea is yeah, yeah. that in that induced state, you then start to have someone guide you through this process in a very mm. safe, controlled environment. A shaman. Um, well, I mean, that, Look, what that, it works that, for you. Jesse? That's the way I dress up when <laughs> I'm doing this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, as a witch doctor. <laughs>
0: Um, yeah, and I guess from what I've heard of, um, MDMA, it's like similarly for PTSD that it, uh, I guess, oh, I guess it reduces the intensity in which someone experiences their experiences. So they're able to engage with therapy or something like that.
2: It can. And I think it has something to do with MDMA and PTSD specifically. I think it has something to do with a feeling of, um, interpersonal connectedness as well, Mm. um, which is often, sort of the driver of, of, of PTSD symptoms or trauma symptoms that perpetuate yeah. mm. is that that feeling of being alone and isolated and, and not part no one can understand what I'm going through mm. this instead increases sort of sociability and connection with others so I think it's mm. as well as the you know the, the sort of the intoxicating effect on the euphoric mood um, and feeling really good you actually start to feel um, you know consciously as though you're you're more connected to others and i think that's how it it's proposed to work okay mm. right. okay
0: very interesting yeah. Um, yeah. yeah like it's so interesting like do you uh, i mean like it's yeah it it like it, there's nothing really like necessarily surprising that medication like different drugs might have different effects it's just like it's, it's kind of jarring because they're in the category of illegal party drugs and so yeah. it's hard to like think of them in the new category in a different category of actually they can have other benefits and and things and value, I suppose. Yeah. yeah.
2: And and probably like one other class that we haven't spoken about, and I've had a real change of heart about mm. this, is is the stimulant medication mm. for ADHD. I mm. love this idea that one day some psychiatrist saw a kid that could not sit down and thought, I have an idea, let's give him some stimulants. <laughs> what a mad lad. Like <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I want to see this cranked up to eleven. <laughs> yeah. yeah, imagine the um, disappointment when yeah, you, you realise yeah, what happened. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the 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 stimulant medication—that's mm. another thing of like something that's a controlled substance, but has mm. been proven to be really helpful for people with a specific mm. illness. Um, and I think it's, I, I don't think we should be paternalistic about it. this. is all historical. Mm. Like, you know, yeah, yeah. these have been outlawed, they've been classed as narcotic, yeah. they're not for research, which has been a real barrier yeah. to, to getting good studies done. And that's the unfortunate thing. So, yeah. we actually have, for the psychedelics in particular, we have some really, really good studies mm. in terms of like uh, th- they're knocking the antidepressants out of the park, right. they're knocking the placebo out of the park. Um, usually there's a very similar placebo response With our antidepressants mm. As in they both work yeah. uh, Because people expect that If they're taking a pill They'll feel better yeah. These ones are going nuts Like you're getting almost 90 to 100% improvement rate In a cohort um, wow. The problem is The group of people we're testing mm. Is 12 people mm. right? right? So we can't get big enough trials To, to sort of support um rolling it out as a as a or, or rescheduling it so to speak. Mm. You know, every every study has been positive overwhelmingly. They just haven't been large enough to justify rescheduling it from a poison to an actual right. drug that can and be studied. And and it's used. hard
0: to get funding for larger studies because of like the political ramifications of that or something like that, maybe. Um
2: and, and they're expensive as well. You have to train someone up to do this specific type of therapy. You have mm. to create a new protocol of, of psychedelic assisted therapy that then can be manualized and distributed out. Yeah. Okay. Um you need to like control for any kind of um, interference or variables. You need to recruit people that don't have any other mental illness or medical comorbidities. (laughs) That's fun. Mm. Um, You know, they can't be at risk of psychosis if they're going to go into, you know, it's just, it's it's a very hard trial Mm -hmm. to run, but more and more are happening all the time, particularly in Australia. Um, But yeah, I think, um, you know, this sort of paternalism, you know, Mm. these are historically uh illegal substances so they should always stay in that basket uh but we know that's not the case you know Mm. look at look at the stimulants with something like adhd um that's probably one of our best drugs we have in psychiatry Mm. uh it really really works it changes people's lives Um, and it takes very few people to give a stimulant to that has adhd before they get better yeah, yeah. You know, and people yeah. ask all the time, particularly in Kim's, when we guys were all working together, mm. her parents would ask, like, how long how long does it take before I should expect to see some difference, mm. some change? And I'd always tell them, How long does Panadol take? They're like, yeah. seriously? I'm like, yeah, like mm. half an hour? Like it's it's awesome, like it changes life. So yeah, yeah. I don't think we should be closed minded to these really promising mm, yeah. um new new therapeutic agents. Yeah,
1: mm.
0: cool. Good stuff. Yeah. Um I think that's all of the. the I mean, that is everything anyone could ever possibly learn yes. about medication. I no. <laughs> no. um, But yeah, no, I think that was really good. Was really Man, good. I've spent way too so long yet. in uni there. I was just about to say, I can't,
1: believe, I can't believe you spent 11 years on that.
2: <laughs> what are you, some sort of slow idiot? Oh, <laughs> uh, um, no. That was
1: that was really, really good. I feel like we covered quite a wide range of, of topics in, in a bit of a, a short time. This is time, the kind of
0: like brute force summary that would have been really helpful when I started working yeah. in this field to actually be like, okay, this is the things that you at basic need to know mm. and then we could go from there. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. Yeah. Thank
1: you for for being able to um I think it, it takes a lot of uh skill Josh to be able to like take that level of information and kind of condense it down into a way that um, you know is maybe a, a bit bit easier to d-
2: digest and <laughs> I, I I've just, for the last several years, I've just been trying to drink from a fire hose and, and, and now I'm just dribbling. I'm just baby birding it into you guys and you're like, this is so digestible. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it gets harder.
1: Yeah. Oh no. Yeah, yeah. Very, very mindful of that. But, but, that thank you. Thank you. Nonetheless. Yeah. That's why I'm a social worker. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, why I'm a social worker with a script pad. <laughs> um, now I'm the most important part of the uh, podcast what did you guys think of the beer? Remind us, Aaron, what beer we were drinking. I finished mine a while ago. Yeah, I, ca- me I can't too. remember.
0: Um, the Monsuta. It's got a little thing above the A, so I'm wondering if I'm supposed to pronounce it differently. But Monsuta Okinawa Supreme Premium Beer. Um,
1: yeah. Doesn't that line, isn't that pronounced as more of an A? Monsute? Um,
0: I could not tell you. I'm sorry. <laughs> I do not know. Um, but so yeah. I felt like if it had
1: like a bit of a hat on it, like an. Uh, ah. Look, I mean that's, that's, al- that's almost the... certainly true.
0: I, mm. But um, it's supposedly a balance of premium malt and superior hops um, creates a beer of unseen magnitude. Do you feel like this beer has a magnitude that you were not able to see?
2: Um, I mean, it certainly is a beer. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. You know, is yeah. it is it of unseen magnitude? It tastes. It it sort of tastes like. Beer squared, to me like a condensed. So sure, does that equal magnitude concentration? Like, yeah, yeah. Sure. I didn't pour it out of the can. I assume it looks like quite. <laughs> I don't know, like, cup like coloured, yeah. like kind of opaque.
0: Yeah, it's it's a, th- it's a thick beer. No, um,
2: I'm a pleb. I drink like yeah. only Cub and Furfy I want <laughs> I want my beer to taste basically like soda water. And if it has too much flavour, no, thank you. So,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think this beer was. Uh, it was yeah, it was it was hoppy but in like almost like a it was like a harsh hoppiness to it at the uh, end. And then it was like it was like multi like probably like pretty strong maltiness and then it's like a there's a hop right in the back of your throat. <laughs> I, I feel like it was
2: <laughs> equally matched, the hops and the malt. There were a lot of both. Yeah yeah but it was like equal. Mm, it wasn't yeah, like they
0: didn't blend together. They were very distinct. Or, yeah. yeah. Um so yeah I mean it was all, it was alright. I mean I'd probably drink it again. Mind it? Yeah. I don't think I would actively seek it out, but I mean I probably prefer this over an asahi if that's the only thing I can compare it to. But yeah. it just i feel like it does taste very similar to an asahi. Obviously. Yeah, okay. Yeah.
1: yeah. How about you? I didn't mind it. Um, I can't remember much about it. I think I, I, I might have drank it a little too quickly. Um,
0: <laughs> wow, you really liked it. Or you just had a very bad day. <laughs>
1: Leave. Column a, column B. Yeah. leave leave that one up to our listeners to decide um it's a good thing you bought a six pack uh, no no it's not why is it not a good thing uh aaron that...
0: why is it not a good thing you know usually it's you who tells me but maybe yeah. this time i'll tell you um i feel like it's probably because if you drink a lot of beers very quickly it's probably not very good for your health Especially if are not, if you're on an SSRI, that would be bad. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, so, uh, and, and that's not something we would do here at BSA Vision, because we want to be responsible yes. about our health and yes. our well-being. Yes, we do. Yeah.
1: Yes. And so um, we would only, we wouldn't drink too, too many in a short space of time, because that's irresponsible. And I feel like, um, also just given, given the topic of today's mm. podcast as well, uh, that goes for uh, party drugs as well.
0: Just, just to cover all our bases. Yeah, just to cover all our
1: bases. Don't, don't do them. Um, and do them as part of a controlled
0: clinical trial. Yes. Yes. Good, good. I'm glad. I'm glad we're not going to get sued now. We're all the, all, all the lawyers that are listening to this yeah. podcast. Yeah, good. Um,
1: um, but yeah, I'd say it's yeah, decent beer. We'd drink it again. Uh, best beer I've ever had. No, worst beer I've ever had. Uh, that one is. Reserved for um, Hargraves Hill.
0: Is this still Hargraves Hill? Is that yeah. still the wow. OSP? Oh, wow. It's really, it's yeah. really confident. But we definitely yeah. need to vis- drink another one to
1: revisit because yeah. I think they, they need a but, redemption arc. Yeah, probably. I'm not sure if I if I was mentioned this on the podcast, but I think I've told you about it, I remember. I'm just going to oh, say wow, it really? again. Oh, I, saw, wow. I saw a bar had Hargraves Hill on tap and I was just <laughs> like, what? <laughs> <laughs>
0: what? <laughs> what? I mean, people must like it. They're in business, Yeah right? Yeah, maybe. <laughs>
1: Maybe. Matt, I'm, I'm sure it's i'm sure ma- we should we should maybe yeah we should try out some of their other beers because um, i'm sure their other beers would would be yeah okay
0: yeah. <laughs> I, look I, I feel like you hate it was, a lot more than i, mean, I do must be right <laughs> it must be How, how's, how's this possible <laughs> all right cool Alright, well thank you very much Josh for being on the podcast. Yes, really thank you. Boys. Hey. Boys. <laughs> thank you for having me. <laughs> it's been great. Yeah. It's been so good. Um yeah, and hope everyone who's listening listening enjoyed it too. I hope you learned a bit like we did. Yeah. Um yeah, and we will see you next time. See ya. Bye. See ya. Thanks for listening to Be a Supervision, the podcast where we talk about the joys of working in mental health over a cold brew. We record every two weeks, often with guests from the mental health field. If you could leave us a rating on iTunes, that would really help us out. Or share it with someone who might find it helpful. If you'd like to contact us with feedback or questions, or even just to say hi, definitely do at beersupervisionpodcast at gmail.com. And you can find Supervision on Facebook and Twitter. Our opinions are our own, the beers we drink are chosen just by us, and we don't
1: receive any sponsorships.
0: We'll see you next time.